Hello and welcome to Employment Talk. We're here to discuss the HR issues affecting you and keep you up to date with the latest employment law matters in our latest podcast. I'm Glenn Hayes, National Head of Employment. And I'm Joe Mosley and I'm a support lawyer here. So Joe, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought I would talk about tattoos today. Um, I came across an article in a paper a few weeks ago that really intrigued me. It was a story about a woman who was literally tattooed from head to toe. And she said that she couldn't get a job. And she'd applied, I think, as a toilet cleaner um, and that she'd been rejected because of the way she looked. She's an extreme example. Um, and if you go to our PASL page, you'll be able to see a picture of her. And you'll see that um, she's got lots of tattoos on her, including what the paper referred to as prison tattoos, which apparently is slang for DIY versions. So they're not professional, not, you know, the sort of ones that you'll see coming out of a tattoo artist. And I thought it would be helpful to explore whether employers are really refusing to employ people because of the way they look. And if they are, whether that flags up any potential legal claims. So, Glenn, you've interviewed a lot of people. Do you have strong views about tattoos, piercings, hairstyles, that sort of thing? Uh, not particularly. Um, yes, I've interviewed a lot of people. I think, obviously, I work in a very uh, professional environment, so not many people come to us with visible tattoos, I don't think. Um, if they did, I don't think it would massively bother me. Um, but I do think that... Obviously, in certain professions and occupations, then obviously the more visible the tattoo, for example, the more it, it may create a conscious or unconscious impression in some people's minds. So I do think perhaps employers do take that into to account. Likewise, with hair colours now, you know, we see, you know, people used to dye their hair, you know, red, you know, blonde, black, whatever. Now you see blue, purple, pink, um, you know, again, you know, we, I've been asked the question by one of my team, for example, whether uh, would I mind if she dyed her hair blue, for example, and, you know, providing it was professionally done and professional, I didn't have a problem with that personally. So, um, but I can see that some, some, some employers will, definitely. What about you, Joe? Don't mind about hairstyles or anything like that. I've got no particular prejudice against hair colour, but I must say I do have against tattoos. I just don't like them. And I think it might be partly my age. Um, you know, a lot of people of my age group, I think, are not keen on tattoos. I think my aversion comes from the fact that my dad joined the Merchant Navy when he was 15 or 16, and he had two tattoos on his forearms. He had a rose on one and an anchor on the other. And he talked a lot about how much he regretted them. And I think his sort of aversion to them, if you like, has just, just stayed with me. I've, I've just never, ever liked them. And it doesn't matter whether they're subtle, whether they're, you know, you're covered in them. I just don't like them. And I have to work very hard, you know, to, to make sure that I don't judge people because of them, because I know that it's a prejudice and I know that it's it's an irrational one. It's really hard, isn't it? Because my uh, sister-in-law, for example, has got a tattoo um that's related to my brother who died in january and um she she showed us this the other day and it's relatively subtle it's on her arm and she's a primary school teacher and i she showed me and i said i said you know oh, it's nice and it was all professionally done and all of that stuff but my, bearing in mind it was about my brother my mum my absolutely hates it and she she she's the same as you she's just got an aversion to tattoos i don't i don't have a particular opinion either way on them to be fair as long as they're not in your face but 
I do think they can create an impression with people. I was once on a train uh, in San Francisco and I was lost and we had a map out and there was a guy who had a FU written across the top of his face in uh, as part of a tattoo. And I thought, well, I'm not really asking that guy for directions, but in, in fairness, I had my map out and he came over and helped me and he was like the nicest bloke on the planet. So I don't think you should judge a, a book by its cover, so to speak. Mm. It's difficult though sometimes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So my, my view is, Joe, that attitudes have changed a lot over the last decade or so. I think it's common to see people expressing individuality through their clothes and body art. Um, but has there been any research into people's attitudes towards tattoos? There has, and you're right, attitudes are definitely changing. So the police force relaxed its rules about visible tattoos a few years ago. And I don't know whether you saw it reported, but Virgin Atlantic, um, they announced that their cabin crew wouldn't have to cover up their tattoos anymore. Yeah, Yeah, that's part of their sort of recruitment and retention piece, I think, you know, just being more embracing. But in terms of surveys, um, YouGov did a survey earlier this year, and that revealed that people in the age group of 55 upwards, and I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting close, are much less tolerant of tattoos than younger people, no doubt about it. But generally, what they found was that most people don't view tattoos as being unprofessional unless they're on the face or the neck. And they then went on to ask people about their views in the context of specific jobs. And they found that um, fewer people supported teachers, interestingly enough, having tattoos, then other professional jobs, um, including what they referred to as high-end customer-facing service roles. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, But what they also found is that people were much more tolerant of tattoos on people working, again, what they called in low-end customer-facing roles. So they were talking about people like waiting staff, retail workers, that sort of thing. So yeah, Um, To answer your question, there is a fair bit of evidence now um, that does address people's attitudes. Let's hone in now for a minute on tattoos and piercings before we move on to dress codes. Can you tell us whether employers can refuse to recruit someone because they have visible tattoos or piercings? Well, the basic provision is that the Equality Act of 2010 doesn't provide standalone protection for people who are discriminated against because they've got mm-hmm. tattoos or piercings. So if you if you as an employer just refuse to take somebody on that basis, there isn't a right for somebody to then sue that prospective employer for not um, considering them or giving them the job. So it, it generally means that employers can refuse to hire somebody because of the body art. There are a few exceptions to that though so you do have to be a little bit careful so if a tattoo is part of a religious belief for example then the employee may be protected from less favorable treatment on the grounds of that religion or belief yeah and and obviously tattoos can play an important role in some religions so i'm thinking buddhism and hinduism in particular so it's not a blanket allowance to do what employers want but there are you can generally refuse to to take people on that basis thanks glenn what about existing employees though Let's say England win the World Cup. What can employers do if an employee rocks up to work with a Union Jack tattooed on their forehead, which they've done in a fit of euphoria after the game? Wow, that's quite a (laughs) statement, isn't it? So if England win the World Cup and I get 
66 and uh, 2022 tattooed on my face. As long as you don't I get think... 666 tattooed on it. <laughs> well, look, I think the position's a bit more complicated for existing employees because if they work for the same employer for two years or more, then they're into the thresholds of where they're able to bring a, an unfair dismissal claim. So if they turn up with a, a visible tattoo, which they can't or refuse to cover up and it's contrary to a policy, uh, we need to look at whether it's considered to be inappropriate. And, and essentially, there are there are a number of fair reasons, potentially at least, to dismiss somebody in law. And the two that are most likely to be relevant here are misconduct or some other substantial reason. But even if you fall within those uh, potentially fair reasons, you then have to follow a fair procedure, which usually involves warning the employee that they might be dismissed, giving them an opportunity to state the reasons why they've got a tattoo. Um, reaching a reasonable decision on the evidence and giving them the opportunity to appeal. So, you know, ultimately it's going to be for the tribunal to determine whether the response is reasonable or not. And I think the factors that will come into play there really are what is the role of the person within the business? So if they are customer facing, for example, and the tattoo is offensive or could be deemed to be offensive, then those are the sort of grounds which might put you into dismissal territory. But if they're back office, you know, or the, the tattoos for a very specific reason or, um, you know, it's non-offensive, then I think you might it may be more challenging for a fair decision to to be reached on that basis. But ultimately, that's for the tribunal to, to decide. What I would say is that previous cases have suggested that tribunals might take a tough stance on what's reasonable in that context and they're alive to sort of prejudice and ex- excessive fussiness on the part of employers. So mm. I think employers would need to tread relatively carefully. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you been asked to advise on any of these sorts of issues? Not so much on tattoos, I don't think, because I think people are generally quite, I was going to use the word sensible, but I suppose that shows my prejudices. But I think people normally put tattoos in places where they can be covered up for for roles where they they generally would be expected to be covered up. But I think the dress code issue tends to come up more, quite frankly. So where people, you know, ask us to advise on whether or not they can dismiss people for wearing certain types of clothes. What are the policies to put in place in relation to people who breach those? And I think that's particularly more prevalent now. We're in a more relaxed workplace environment. You know, we're not all, for example, if you wind the clock back 20 years when I started practicing, we all had to wear a shirt, tie, suit, et cetera, et cetera. And now that's not the case, particularly in the summer and people's versions of what accept, what is acceptable and what isn't uh, are certainly open to interpretation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So what sort of things would you say employers have to consider from a legal perspective if they're going to impose specific rules on what people can wear to work and whether they need to cover up tattoos and that sort of thing? Yeah, look, there's a human rights angle to it. So there's the right freedom to expression. So obviously the employers will need to be wary of claims under the Equality Act. So I've talked about sort of religion and belief already, but there's, you know, philosophical beliefs. So We've had cases as to whether, the, you know, the Jedi Knight is a philosophical belief, for example, you know, those types of things. So people expressing themselves in those ways. You might see partly political T-shirts, for example. You might see uh, T-shirts with people campaigning on them, for example. So there are there are things that need to be balanced up. Equally, there's a, there's a big issue about what's acceptable for, to wear for a man as between, um, compared to a woman. So, you know, for example, um you know, if you impose strict stress regulations on people, you know, there would need to be fair to both sexes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen cases certainly come through the tribunal system where 
Um, for example, women have been encouraged to wear dresses of a certain length, for example, or uh, and how people get into trouble in that respect. Clearly, religion forms a big part of it. So, you know, certain modes of dress, symbols that manifest the beliefs. So there's a famous case called Iwood uh, that involved a, a, a woman wearing a Christian cross, for example, and Bia, in that case, had to balance her right to express that religious symbol and visible cross as opposed to be a strict dress code at the time. And they, but they're usually brought as indirect discrimination claims, and that's important because with the exception of age discrimination, which you can potentially justify, you can't justify other forms of discrimination, whereas in indirect discrimination claims where you apply the same rule to, for example, to a woman as you would to a man in an indirect sex discrimination claim, and it is capable of potentially being justified by the employer in those circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I mean, from what I can um, gather, tribunals will look at dress codes as a whole, so they're not going to go through go, go through a policy garment by garment. Um, they'll look at it as a whole and whether or not there are equally restrictive um, requirements for, for example, men and women. And they'll also look at it by reference to the common standards that apply at the time as to what's conventional. So some of the older cases that I looked at in preparation for this podcast were, were talking about um, there was no sex discrimination, for example, where a woman was prevented from wearing trousers because men also had restrictions on what they can wear. I think those sorts of cases were likely to be decided a different way if they were litigated today. To finish up then, Glenn, um, can I ask you whether you think dress policies are helpful, even where staff don't interact with the public, for example? Yeah, well, look, I think that they are, providing that they are sensible, okay, and they, and they reflect modern day ways of working. So, you know, I think codes and policies that place an obligation on an individual to think sensibly about what he or she wears at work, I think are a good idea. Being overly prescriptive about things and imposing unconscious bias or beliefs on on your workforce probably isn't so i think i think it's important to to place a personal responsibility onto the individuals and give them some guidelines to help them in that respect those types of policies i think are quite helpful it's often quite helpful to go to the workforce as well and try and sort of agree what those policies should be uh, wherever possible so and in my view, I think that would be that would be quite important as well. So, but you know, bear in mind that the more restrictive you are as an employer, the less attractive potentially you are to to, to candidates from all kinds of different backgrounds and um, skill sets and the like. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, isn't it? I mean, lots of organisations at the moment are struggling to recruit good candidates. I mean, why would you want to impose additional barriers on on you know your ability to get decent staff? Well, yeah, well, it, I mean, it depends, doesn't it? So, you know, if, if I um, w- was meeting somebody in a meeting and I rolled somebody out with an offensive tattoo on the face, then I might risk losing that client for that reason rather than any other. But you're absolutely right. Um, you know, you want to keep your best people. And if that means some of your best people have slightly different views as to, you know, hair colour or tattoo as to you or me, for example, then, you know, maybe we need to change our views. So. Yeah, I'm quite sure I probably ought to. It's certainly in relation to tattoos. <laughs> I, I think I'm swimming against the tide there. Well, I don't think I'm rushing down to the parlour either to get one either, but um, I don't <laughs> I don't really mind people that, that do. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's really great. Thank you, Glenn. Okay, great. Well, that's it for today. So if you want to hear more about our latest employment law updates alongside expert commentary, then tune in in a fortnight. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye.